Hi, everybody. This is Pastor Tim from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire. This is our weekly podcast of the sermon from the prior Sunday. Normally at this time, I have invited everybody to join us for worship at 8, 30, and 11. Uh, but right now we're in the midst of the global pandemic, and so we are not having worship in our building at 8, 30, and 11. Instead, you can find us online doing virtual worship using Zoom. You can find the information for all of that on our website at www.htelc.com. You can also like us on Facebook. And uh, those are the two primary ways in which to find our links to have worship with us. So it doesn't matter where you are, as long as you have an internet connection, you can join us for worship. So thank you for listening. We hope that you find the sermon meaningful and purposeful, that it connects to your life and how you interact with the world. And most of all, it reveals God's infinite love for you and all of creation. We continue our service with the readings. Thank you, Judy. The gospel reading for February 28th is from the book of Mark, chapter 8. Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation Of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we continue with the sermon. Um, The sermon each week, you know, this week I gave it on Thursdays when I recorded it. As I thought about it, there's some things that to me I wish I would have said differently, uh, come out differently, but... We'll let it be what it is, and hopefully it is what you need to hear, and it comes out better than what I think it came out. Are Christians being persecuted for their faith? Well, I think the answer can be yes and no. You can do a quick Google search, and you can see where are the top 50 countries in which Christians are being literally being persecuted for their death. North Korea, North Korea is number one. Afghanistan is number two, Somalia is number three, Sudan's number four, Pakistan's number five. This is as of 2018, where there are plenty of stories in which individuals or families or religious leaders, whoever might be, are killed because they are Christian, because they confess Christ is Lord. And that is, in my opinion, more to the group of who this passage is being written to. You know, as we hear this in Mark, and I'm looking at my computer screen because I have it written out here. If any of you want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. 
Remember, when this passage was being written in uh, approximately about 70 AD, you could be killed for being Christian. You could be killed, even if they used that word Christian at the time, you could be killed for being a person of the way, right? Of confessing Jesus Christ is Lord, because what you are saying is Caesar is not Lord. And that is a crime with the penalty of death. And so this passage was written to a group of people who were really facing persecution in that way. And it was encouraging them to, to stay strong, to don't give up hope, that it will be worth it, right? You literally might lose your life. But in doing so, you will find it. And so I think it can be heard in one way, in that way, to certain Christians around the world who are facing that same kind of persecution. Is that we can reach out to them and say, if you are being persecuted because your faith in Christ, God is with you. Even though you might lose your life, literally lose it. God in Christ will save it. So it's designed to bring hope to people in these desperate situations. The trouble is, we are here now in the United States in an area, in a time, in which Christianity is not being persecuted. And how do I know we're not being persecuted? Is that we can still gather freely. It may not be safe to do together physically, but we can still gather and not have to worry about who's going to come knocking on our door or who's going to come and invade our Zoom meeting. We are not being persecuted because our holidays are still the ones generally celebrated or mentioned in media, in news, as public holidays. Christmas, Easter, right? We're not being persecuted. If anything is happening to Christians, is what's going on is a segment of Christians are being told the way you are practicing your faith is harmful to other people. And if it is harmful to other people, maybe you need to reevaluate the way in which your faith is being practiced. And is that the kind of faith that we are being called to as followers of Christ? It's not that we're being persecuted for being Christians. Christians are being called out for the way their faith is actually persecuting others. So when we're in a place of privilege, when we are in a place of power, when we are in a place of, you can even say, authority, I think a better way of looking at it isn't looking at... Um, He's looking at it differently. For those who lose their life, how does it go? For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. Is to ask ourselves, in the land of plenty, in the land in which you can literally say, Alexa, order me toilet paper, and the next day, or even the same day, depending on where you live, toilet paper will show up at your door, right? I mean, that is the world many of us live in. 
in the land of which everything is at your fingertips. How have we lost our faith? How have we uh, combined our faith with the conveniences of our life, of the world, because we like those conveniences, despite what it might do to others? Now, I'm not saying if you order toilet paper through Alexa that's doing harm to others, but I hope you get the point or you understand when you're in such a place of privilege, you don't always want to examine your own life and see where you have made compromises of your faith because of the life that you have. And in doing so, that's where we say, when I think the better way of looking at this is those who want to save their life will lose it. Those who want to cling to the life as we know it will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake, right, and for the sake of the gospel, will save it. So what we are asked to do is to look introspectively and objectively as we can to see where have we made these compromises and sacrificed our faith. And in doing so, we might feel lost because it means we have to question some of our basic assumptions about who we are, how things operate, and are those God-honoring ways. And we might have to come to the conclusion or come to the answer of, holy smokes, I need to change. And who likes to change? I will continually come back, and this really sticks in my head, that one morning I talked about this a few weeks ago, when I came into church early uh, on Sun, when I came into church on Sunday morning, I go to John Kochler and I say, "How can I help?" And he's like, "Break my addiction to being comfortable." How can I break my addiction to being comfortable? Our addiction to being comfortable is the way that we lose that we lose our life. That's what we're asked to look at. The promise is. If you examine your addiction to comfortability, to being comfortable, I'm not sure how that word is phrased, but I think you understand what I'm saying, to being comfortable, and you do the hard work, the promise is what comes out on the other side will be better, is that you'll be able to take off some of those things that you find so exhausting that you might even name some things that you didn't know were weighing you down, but now that you've seen them for what they are, it's like, oh my gosh, how did I not see this before? Right? That's what it means by those who lose their life will save it. As we almost force ourselves into these uncomfortable situations, as we force ourselves into self-examination, as we are intentional about examining our life, we'll find the promise of the gospel and see what's important and what's not important, what needs to be savored, what needs to be let go, right? That is the promise that God gives us in Jesus, the hope that God gives us in Jesus, the power that God gives us in Jesus. And then in doing so, we aren't just really freeing ourselves. We're working to free the entire world. Because as we see those things take root in our life that need to be dealt with, we can more clearly see those things out in the world and how we interact with that. 
so often as Christians, it's easy to look at the life that God wants for the world and point out where you see it not happening in other people. If only they would. Can't you see what's wrong with? But that's not where a life in Christ I begins. I believe begins. It begins with a self-examination within ourselves. And that really is what Lent is for. I think that's why this passage is selected. When I first read it, I thought, why are we reading about, you know, uh, Jesus talking about undergoing suffering? Why are we preparing for, so early on in Lent, to hear about uh, Monday, Thursday, or Good Friday? We're not there yet. Let's hold off on that. But the point of this passage here this morning isn't so much to focus on what is to come in the life of Christ, but it's to focus on ourselves and how do we or do we not participate in that life of Christ now. How have we denied our faith because of what we want to cling to? And how do we need to let go of those things we cling to and risk being uh, turned upside down? And uh, to find true life in that. So as we go through Lent, I hope you're able to ask tough questions of yourself and of your faith. To question those things that you have once hold dear. To not be afraid to hold them up and examine it in different lights and to turn it. Knowing that in the end, it is God's promise that will be revealed to you that you are loved by the creator of the universe. Amen.